2: And we are back to another edition of West of the Rocky Sound. Frank, thank you guys for sticking around. I know it's late, but boy, do we have a really, really exciting show lineup for everyone tonight. Genevieve, how are you doing over there?
3: I'm doing quite all right. Thank you very much.
2: We want to thank everybody in the chat room that's tuning in, everybody that's tuning in through their mobile devices on TuneIn and all those wonderful apps that you can find the station on. We thank you very much for tuning in. And if you're catching the podcast version of this show, hello to you, sir and madam, as well. I hope that everybody enjoyed the uh, the big game today. I hope their team won. I unfortunately didn't get a chance to see it. Uh, However, I heard that it was a lot of fun. I actually lived in Denver for a while. So I Mm -hmm. think if I had watched it and I had to pick a team, I probably would have gone with Denver. And it turns out that they won. So yay, Denver. There, that That was my Super Bowl celebration. Yeah, that's it. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, no, we have a really, really exciting show tonight. Um, You know, one of the topics that I've been fascinated with for for years, and anybody that's tuned into this show for any amount of time uh, will probably know this whole uh, situation with Bigfoot. I'm quite intrigued by the whole phenomena. I'm inclined to believe, just as we keep finding new species in the oceans and uh, in the forests and uh, even in cities, I was reading that they found a new type of terrain by Folsom Prison. So well, apparently there were something classified? about 55 species of tarantulas and scientists have narrowed it down to 15. And one of them... Only? Yeah. And one of them is named oh, after Johnny Cash because oh, Johnny Cash... I it was going
3: to be Johnny Depp, <laughs> in which case I love tarantulas. <laughs>
2: but this black tarantula was named after Johnny Cash and it's found around Folsom Prison where he did a very famous concert back in the day and played one of the tracks that became legendary, Folsom Prison Blues by Johnny mm-hmm. Cash. So there's definitely a lot of stuff out there in our planet that we... We are still discovering to this day, and gosh darn it, I believe that Bigfoot could be one of them. Tonight we have a great guest to help us get through this topic tonight, uh, Mr. M.K. Davis. And Genevieve, I believe that um, you have prepared... the introduction for our guest tonight, so I will uh, seat the mic to you.
3: I have indeed. um, As edited from the website, on the show tonight, we got M.K. Davis, expert analyst of the Bigfoot phenomenon, as well as the JFK assassination. Mr. Davis has been researching the Patterson Sasquatch film for over 18 years now, providing us with genuinely some of the most clear and convincing evidence ever to have been recorded. He has traveled extensively and has amassed one of the largest collections of images from the film. His recently released stabilized Patterson-Gimling footage is truly a huge advancement in Bigfoot research. Davis has trekked the Bluff Creek drainage of Northern California on many occasions and his observations have led to several important discoveries on the film itself. While the Patterson footage is only a very short piece of film, it continues to yield vital data that may one day lead to a more complete understanding of what is on the film, sorry about that, and um, what it means to all of us. On top of that, as mentioned, Davis is an expert when it comes to the JFK assassination. And though he states he does not see himself as an expert, we're convinced that he's just being extremely modest. Once again, his analyses and stabilized videos prove to be um, huge advancements in this field of research, and we'll be sure to discuss some of this later on the show. For now, I'm glad to have the honor of welcoming Mr. M.K. Davis onto Western Rockies Radio.
2: Mr. Davis, can you hear us? Okay. Yes, I can. Awesome. Let's start from the from the beginning with you. And can you tell me how did you get involved researching Bigfoot? Did you um, have an encounter with Bigfoot yourself, or have you just been fascinated by the footage, as many of us have been?
1: Well, it's, uh, oddly enough, it's neither. Uh, I, I was in, an astrophotographer. Uh, I had a large large telescope. that put space photos. And uh, in the course of learning the, how to do that, mm-hmm. you learn uh, how to process films and select films and, and filter the images and try to get the best contrast. And you're looking for sometimes a very faint object and it's very small details. So uh, incidentally, I came across a couple of frames from the Patterson film. Mm-hmm. Most people have seen the at one time or another in their lives. Mostly when you see it, it's shaky, grainy, uh, very brief uh, film that you see on television. And and it's enough to raise an eyebrow, but you don't really see enough to really form a conclusion. Well, these two frames were just superbly clear. They had been filtered much like you would filter an astrophotograph. And it caught my attention and I got became interested in it. I said, well, you know, you can't get a good frame from a bad film. So there must be a good film, a good version of this mm-hmm. film out there somewhere. So I began an inquiry, and that inquiry led me uh, over the course of several years all over this country. And I, I managed to find people who would help me very gracious people who saw potential and that I might be able to do something with the film. At the time the film was languishing, uh, it was pretty much uh, uh, written off. Uh, there was a lot of info out there that you know stated that you couldn't see anything below a certain level uh, because of the quality of the film stock and the distance to the subject. And there was even a scientific paper written on it, but that was not what I was seeing in those two frames. So I said, I want to find the rest of the film that has, the quality that I see right here in these two frames. So I, I began that inquiry and uh, I was successful in accumulating some of the best images from that frame in existence. I worked on these uh, to to try to eliminate some of the, the lensing mm-hmm. effects. Uh, you know, most cameras that are of a home model type, uh, their lenses are rather inexpensive. You don't really see the defects too much when they're wide-field, but when you magnify them, you magnify their defects as well. And so I, I said, well, uh, I'm very familiar with this. This is chromatic aberration. It's not focusing all the colors to a single point. So there are some colors that are contributing to the overall unsharpness of the image. So I uh, was able to just use a prism, an electronic prism, to split off each color until it's own image mm-hmm. and I was able to identify the colors that weren't focused sharply and I eliminated them and reassembled the photo uh, and displayed it in black and white because uh, uh, having removed the color it becomes annoying to watch to, to look at a false and colored image so I displayed it in black and white boosted the sharpness and the contrast some 30% probably uh, and there's an old saying in and astrophotography, that if you can improve it one percent, you'll see about ten new things. So uh, this I did to each and every frame in the film, and then I assembled it in a uh, in an animator. I, I brought the subject to the center. I, I assembled it twice, actually. I, I stabilized it with the background being stable, and then I stabilized it with the subject being stable. When okay. I mean stable, I mean hand motion was removed from it.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: it was free-handed, and, and the situation was such that he was kind of run. So I got all of those motions out, and uh, sometime late at night, when I hit the preview button, my jaw dropped at just how good this film was. I could see the biomechanics mm-hmm. of the film subject. I, I could see the shoulder blades. I could see the calf muscles moving. Right, I, I, all of the So at that point in time, kind of got my appetite whetted. That my my original goal was to do that and let the film tell its own story. Right, and uh, I think that the film largely has. If you've seen any of my stuff, it's pretty clear that uh, it's not a person. We see what was on there. We see those type of movements every day in life. So. Then I began an inquiry into the subject matter, rather than the photography of the
2: film. I just want to put your uh, URL for your uh, blog, which is the davisreport.wordpress.com, because I guarantee they want to check out the work you've done stabilizing the film. For our friends on Ustream, they're they're watching a bit of that, and it's really amazing. I remember the first time I saw what you had done with the footage stabilizing it. It really gives you a a sense of scale Mm -hmm. of the size of this apparent creature that you really don't get with the original footage because, as you mentioned, you know, they were running and trying to get a clear shot of this. So I definitely encourage people to open a new tab if they're on their computer there and go to the davidsreport.wordpress.com to check out uh, some of the stuff that Mr. Davis has has done. Do you think it's possible that this was a hoax? Could this have been a person in a suit?
1: Well, you know, you always entertain that possibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one of the reasons why I thought the film would tell its own story. I said, whether it, whether it turned out to be a hope or whether it turned out to be true, let's let the film talk. Because I had two good frames that I was looking at, and if I could have obtained the rest of the film with that kind of quality, then the film would tell its own story. Mm-hmm. So when I hit the preview button, I didn't know which way it was going to go. Right. I was prepared for e- either one. I was going to release it. And, and let people judge for themselves looking at the film.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, my, my goodness, you know, it was so greatly in favor of it being authentic. In my mind, it's not even a possibility that it's a host.
2: That's the thing that we can appreciate watching your cleaned up video, that it's something that's big and it's heavy. You've spent a lot of time with this footage. What are some of the things that have stood out to you analyzing this piece of film?
1: Well, like you said, it's uh, massive. It's not terribly tall. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people give it a seven foot four or something like that. My studies tell me that it's between six foot one and six foot five, mm. depending on the the state of the posture and there's got, She's on broken terrain as well. The outstandingness of it is the girth, right? Uh, You know the 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 broadness. When I blew it up to life size, and incidentally, I was told that the film, there's nothing on the film that could be blown up to life size that would survive that kind of enlargement. Oh wow! So I did that, Mm -hmm. and it it was survived it very well. Oh really? That's how good the image was. Oh wow! I've blown up numerous frames to life size. I blew her up to like. Six foot seven. I figured that would be a fair number. Uh, it Wouldn't produce a lot of argument, right? And then I kept the aspect ratio, so everything grows in proportion to the height. And, and when I, I printed it out on a giant printer, and uh, when I stretched the tape across the upper arm, it was ten and a half inches across the width. And uh, I'm a pretty good sized fellow, and I been only with making a muscle, I might. To get five inches, <laughs> wow! You, you see what I mean by right. sheer size, and uh, you got to remember now that this is a uh, female of the species. Uh, uh, if it follows normal biological uh, constraints,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, it probably would be smaller. Right,
2: than male. I've heard this. This appears to be a female. Uh, people have pointed out, you know, things like the the apparent breasts, and it does seem like it would be a female of this species i've heard you know from different people over the years that these creatures seem to move uh, or they seem to live in an almost like a family type unit what have you found out as far as bigfoot and how they manage to live in the forest and not be perceived because besides this piece of footage there's probably only another handful that people will feel comfortable saying are not hoaxes so what do you make of, of this creature and how it's managed to remain so elusive?
1: Well, for one thing, you've got to remember where it was when it was stemmed. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, was, this was called, on maps, the primitive area, mm-hmm. because it had no roads going in here. And the first roads were built into that area in the late 1950s. Uh, it was controversial when they built the roads. Uh, they, they brought logging crews in there to cut the trees. And this was considered to be sacred land, sacred Indian territory, for three different tribes in the area. So it was a lot of controversy. It made the news. As a matter of fact, as late as 2010, they, they formed a human chain to keep loggers out of the area. They were going to cut a specified group of trees, and, and it's considered to be sacred. So whenever they did go in there, they it, it, it weren't in there that long before they began to have night nightly visits. Uh, to their construction equipment. Oh, wow. And it's sort of vandalizing and, uh, for lack of a better word, terrorizing mm-hmm. uh, workers at night. They bang on the trailers. The workers would bring their families down there, and they'd stay in the RV trailers while they worked. And they would come at night, and they uh, they would find their tracks between the trailers and stuff. Night, oh, wow. It was just unnerving. A lot of them quit. So, you know, it's a very, very isolated, rugged place. You can be in one valley and you you don't have any contact at all with the next valley. Just straight up and down for 45 degrees for almost as long as you want to walk. Wow. Um, Only something with... Muscles like you see there on that, um, would even do well or that kind of thing. We would, we would be exhausted. Right. Um, but if you have legs like that, you can go up and down, you know, almost that wheel. They're built for it
2: talk about being built for it you can see it in the way that it's walking it walks with confidence as if it knows exactly where it's going and barefooted where uh, you know i can imagine a, a person not being able to walk through that uh, comfortably without the the aid of shoes
3: i think some of the more convincing um you know aspects of the film includes the fact that you can kind of see the ripples um, the definition of the muscles something that that would be very difficult to fake if that were some sort of bodysuit on a human being and i mean we know for certain it's an animatronic because that was just not around in that time
2: one of the things that draws my attention also and this is posted on your website the com. Um, You know, at least I remember when I was growing up and like I said, I've been continually fascinated by the topic of Bigfoot. I remember back in those days, people used to say that when this creature looks back towards the camera, you know, it kind of has to turn its upper body because, you know, the jaw would hit the shoulder while turning. However, in the video work that you have done, it's almost like you can clearly see that this creature does have a neck and it manages to turn its neck before it turns its upper part of the body. Well,
3: it has a really good like rotational ability because mm-hmm. you can see it doesn't actually have to turn its upper torso mm-hmm. in order to look over its right shoulder.
2: So was this something that uh, you found after you cleaned up the footage?
1: Well, stabilization makes it much more apparent. She actually turns back twice. The first time it's involved in that a huge shaking that's going on, you know, mm-hmm. where everything is all over the screen. Okay, the second time, which is the famous look back, she begins that rather slowly as she does over her shoulders, you know, with mm-hmm. her head, which is her choice. I don't know why. But when she does, she looks back mm-hmm. and she takes four steps before she pulls her head back around to look at where she's going. Mm-hmm. So she's already mapped out, well, that's broken terrain with a lot of debris and all kinds of stuff. So she didn't stumble you know, she never broke stride. Right. She walked four steps without looking down, which was amazing to me. But when she looked back, she looked back quickly and sharply with a sharp turn of the neck. And um, when you stabilize it, you can see it much better. And then when you oscillate that, run it back and forth. But then the move biomechanics are very obvious that she does have a neck, and its, very, it's the range of motion is about what we have.
2: One of the things that I remember reading a lot and and hearing a lot was that, you know, this Bigfoot has a slightly cone-shaped cranium. And it's funny because again, it wasn't until I started watching your video analysis where you clean up this footage that you can clearly see that the top of the head of this creature does seem to pull up into a slight cone shape, if you will. People have said that, you know, these could be apes, Uh, you know, granted in the Americas, we really don't have apes of any kind. But is this something that is found in other apes, uh, this shape of the cranium, or is this something that's unique to Bigfoot?
1: Yeah, well, you know, if it goes back to what the analyst refers, you know, uh, everybody has something to bring to the table. If you bring a primatologist and and, and let him look at it, he's going to see that as a sagittal crest, mm-hmm. uh, like in the great ape. Mm-hmm. Uh, although the female apes do not have sagittal crest, and that's clearly a female there.
0: Right, they, right.
1: They still argue, argue that because that's what they know. But if you look at how people were living in times past in that area, there's a numerous other possible explanation. And one of them is boarding or flattening of the forehead or head binding, which certainly was going on in that area among all the cultures in that rough country. Mm -hmm. And uh, someone of particular importance in a tribe, but they would put a board against the forehead of an infant, and a board behind it, and then tie a, a piece of leather and wet it, and let it shrink and pull pressure, and the child would actually grow into that board shape, and it will be right about starting above the eyebrows, mm-hmm. it would go straight back flat, and come out to a point behind it, uh, and and there's Plenty of examples. They have photos of it. They have uh, artist drawings that that walked the West, uh, you know, painting the Indians. Uh, Lewis and Clark showed examples of it in their in their journal. Uh, there's even a tribe of Indians that were called the Flatheads that are very practiced. Thing. So, if you're looking at an age, fragile crest. if you're looking at a human being, probably something cultural, as primitive as it looks. You don't really know. Why it's naked in the film? Mm-hmm. Because you only have sixty seconds worth. Right. It may have. It may actually have some clothing that it wears or something. If it's a person. If it's not a person, the typical explanations for a large primate. I, I would go with that. Uh, but I'm inclined to believe, from what I see of it, that that, that you're probably looking at. Uh, primitive private human being Mm -hmm. uh, that's managed to evade even discovery until 1967
2: as you mentioned, everybody brings something to the table. And obviously, countless books have been written on the topic of Bigfoot. And some have said that, you know, the possibility that they are a different species of uh, humans, if you will. Is that something that you consider a possibility? Or do you think that it might just be, uh, you know, more of a wild animal?
1: I'm I'm more inclined to think that it's probably a human being of some sort. And there again, even that it's kind of controversial, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because uh, when we talk about a human being, it's certainly not normal. Mm-hmm. It's not us. We don't get in and ten and a half inch arms, right? Mm-hmm. Not normally. Not 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 a you know unless you really work at it. You're a, a big strong burly you know person in the first place. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're Homo sapiens sapien, which is the current name that we're called, mm-hmm. and we've been called other. Other names in the past until they yeah. finally decided on that.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: there's been a lot of other homos in the past uh, that had different suffixes.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And you know, that possibility always exists that there is a relic or a right. human being in there. You know, it's, it's human, but not us.
0: Mm hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: One reason why this film is so intriguing is because we don't know what we're looking at. It brings about certain inner feelings in us, the fascination that there could be another type of human being that is suited for solitary lifestyle in harsh conditions. We only survive as well as we do because of socioeconomic reasons. But in this case of these, these ones, Mm-hmm. the subject in the film, that they could live a much more solitary lifestyle, uh, small clans, sometimes alone, and they live in the harshest type of climate, the roughest type of terrain.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, they really don't have a need or a desire, apparently, to join up with us or, or contact us or make friends. Mm-hmm. Some people say they do, but I haven't observed it. Um, so, you know, I, I, I assume that if it were to be a human being, it's not
3: mm-hmm.
1: um, I'm in- a pardon?
3: Sorry, no, I was going to say I, I'm intrigued. You know, if, if it is some sort of um, cousin of um, Homo sapiens, Homo erectus, etc., what do you believe makes them so so good at camouflaging, at, at staying out of being discovered. It's almost supernatural. I mean, they, they seem to disappear off the face of the earth, and every now and then they pop up. But where are they in this time? Are they underground? Are they invisible? You know, how do they hide?
1: Well, there's four or five frames when Patterson was directly behind the fence, I subject. He was actually below her. She had gotten up on higher ground, and he was feeling up at her. And you could see the gluteus maximus, and the hair on the inside of the cheek was worn quite badly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's pretty clear to me that the subject had spent a lot of time sitting down. Mm-hmm. Um, in that case, there must be somewhere up there on the mountain where they can go and sit down and just not burn any calories. That's what I get out of it. They do well with just very little. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that area, they have large blackberry harvests when they're in season. They have uh, Oregon grapes. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of those, it's a little berry that sure. grows close to the ground. Okay. Uh, it gets sweet after the first frost. But all of those are just energy packs. Mm-hmm. But the most attractive thing there is, is the Salmon Run and the Klamath River. And that's when these things, I call them a thing, uh, I, I, I shouldn't, but that's when the subjects come out of the high country and move down to the lower areas and walk the drainages like Buck Creek down to the Klamath. And then, uh, my understanding is correct, they, they stay near the Coast uh, for the severest part of the winter, mm. <clears throat> and then they move back up, move back to the high country again in the spring, along with the uh, actively participating in the spring run of the salmon. It's not that unnatural. It's the same cycle as the bears go through. Mm. Um, it's how you live if you mm. want to live that way.
2: I was just going to ask, because, you know, obviously uh, these beings move in the the wilderness. I wonder, in your opinion, uh, do you think the government knows that these things are out there, that they exist? Or um, do you think they're a little bit more cynical about people's reports of seeing a a creature in the woods?
1: Well, if they're cynical, it's a superficial thing, because there's no way that they don't know. Uh, One of the reasons is because when this film was taken... There was a timber cruiser down there by the name of Lyle Laverty. He was about 19 years old. Mm-hmm. He marked the trees for the loggers to cut, and he actually was there. And he took pictures of the trackway that became very famous. Printed, printed over and over again with all the newspapers. Well, now Lyle Laverty is, he was appointed Deputy Secretary of the Interior. Oh, wow. You know, so mm-hmm. how would how would they not know?
0: Right, right.
1: And then, you know, there's been some maps surfaced that were survivor maps that they gave people when they trained in wilderness survival. On these maps, the government printed pictures and a brief description of every kind of animal that they could run into that could cause them a danger. Mm-hmm. And Bigfoot was on that.
2: Oh, wow. So, so it, it's something that they are aware and take seriously to some extent, it would seem.
1: Well, I mean, it's easy to blow it off, but it's becoming uh, not not as easy as it used to be. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the people are taking the subject more seriously, and their uh, the level of evidence has has uh, become a little more credible. Right. Uh, you've all you still got you still got the blurry pictures and stuff, but then you got some that's not so blurry that's a little better and unexplained. Right. She was asking me about how they hide. Yeah. I've got. Some theories based upon some evidence that I have seen. Mm -hmm. And over the years, I have been privileged to have been sent a lot of hair samples from all over the country. Not necessarily because I'm an expert in hair, but because I will photograph them with a microscope and then send the photos back and they can look at them themselves and make their own judgments. But in the course of doing that, I've seen enough different types of hair samples that I have recognized certain things. And there was a hair sample that was found near a Bigfoot sighting, and it was a tuft of hair that was matted. And when I photographed it under a microscope, it was the most incredible arrangement of hair shafts. And these hair shafts were all different colors, ranging from completely transparent to white to black to mottled, There was no medulla or core in the inside of it.
0: Mm, That's interesting. And the
1: outside consisted of the scales that you normally see on a hair shaft were very tight to the shaft, and it made the shaft reflective. And when the light came up from underneath the microscope in some of the hair shafts, it traveled down the interior of the shaft and came out down at the end of the hair, which is like fiber Mm -hmm. optic. And to me, that really, really, really... uh, Number one, it impressed me. Number two, it rang a bell uh, with why people have a hard time Mm -hmm. seeing a Sasquatch if you're wearing such all over your body. Right. How could the light and shadow interplay with that type of thing Mm-hmm. Uh, a hair arrangement mm-hmm. would, would render the thing to be super camo. Mm-hmm. The be- that would mean, if that were to be true, uh-huh. the best time to see a Sasquatch would be 30 minutes after daylight and 30 minutes before dark. Oh, if wow. If you got to the daylight part, then you're going to have problems with that. You know, mm-hmm. you get, the hair is bending light. So wow. uh, I, I don't know, you know, Everything about a fast watch, but that struck me as being just supremely a real keen arrangement for hiding.
3: I'm wondering, um, I'm not 100% sure, but have you ever had the opportunity of submitting samples, you know, such as hair fur samples for scientific study and analysis, or have you not had the opportunity?
1: I hate to say I haven't had the opportunity.
3: Mm-hmm
1: Submitting a hair sample, especially because I'm not an expert in it, it's almost like going gambling. You know, you almost want to spend something on it, but then in a way, you don't want to lose it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, I haven't done it as of yes, There's been some people who made some offers, but, you know, uh, I didn't turn them down, but I just, I wasn't enthusiastic about it. Mm-hmm. I had the hair samples, that same one I talked about, I still have it. And I would turn it in
0: mm-hmm. if
1: anybody wanted to spend the money to, to look at it, but, there's this part of me that's afraid that it won't be a Sasquatch.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's
1: a part of me that's afraid that it will. If it is a Sasquatch and they can determine that it is, and I, Lord, I don't know how they would, but if they do, it's it to happen.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, you know, I, I really don't know. It's, I have mixed feelings about it, but I, I would turn it in if someone mm-hmm. wanted to do it.
2: Yeah, it seems that it's not as easy as one would imagine getting some of these stuff tested by a reputable lab, it seems, uh, from what I've read. A lot of them steer clear of these type of things, so I think a lot of times it doesn't have anything to do with yeah. people's it's hard to know willingness to trust but them. Yeah. yeah. Um, speaking of that, real quick before we take a break, uh, Mr. Davis, a few years ago there was a, a DNA study done on some uh, apparent Bigfoot hair samples, and the study was met with a lot of controversy uh, from the get-go. Uh, are you familiar with that DNA study, and did it yield anything um, useful in the continued? search for uh, Bigfoot?
1: Somewhat. But, you know, I've become a little jaded over the years because, Mm -hmm. for instance, I know of one particular instance where uh, the same doctor was sent hair samples from the same sample, Mm -hmm. but from two different people. Mm. Okay. And and he declared one Bigfoot and the other to be bovine.
2: And they were the same hair.
1: The same hair, Mm. yeah. Okay. Uh, so you begin to realize that experts, you know, they try their best, mm-hmm. but this is a subject that very little is known about. Yeah. And it's wide open for a mistake. And I've seen some pretty good mistakes, and it's thrown people, you know, out, completely out of the pursuit once they realize that they're falling. right A few years ago, they were talking about the prints underneath a cast having the dermal ridges on
0: it. Oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah. they
1: had several real good casts. I had real good examples of dermal ridging. Don't get me wrong, you can pick up dermal ridging in a cast. But this particular dermal ridging was duplicated by a man from Washington. He duplicated it, and then he put them side by side with the one that was supposed to have the dermal ridges. And they were identical.
0: Oh, wow. That it was
1: part of the casting process. It was a wicking problem. Uh, a little too thin of casting material and then letting... Pouring it, stopping, pouring, stopping, pouring, stopping. And it produces this layering along the sides. And this other person had held this can stuff. I heard him say it. He mm-hmm. says, I put people in jail. He says, and I'm here to tell you this is normal Ridges, and they're not human. Wow. And wow. I thought back at what he said, and I thought to myself, if I had been put in jail by him, I'd be darned if I wouldn't be trying to get out.
0: <laughs> you know, uh,
1: yeah. he stated because when he found out that it had been duplicated, he completely left the Sasquatch pursuit.
0: Oh, don't wow. ever hear
1: from him. Uh, so, you know, it's, you've got to be prepared that, that this is something that's very, very uh, vague. And you've got to be prepared to be wrong sometimes. And this is the way I look at it. I don't mind being wrong. hmm But I don't want to fail to be right. Mm -hmm.
0: Very well said.
1: I'm not going to stop my studies because I got something wrong once. Right. Um, If everything is still there, you know, and it's still part of the chain of evidence and it's still leading me somewhere, then I continue to proceed.
2: There's another piece of footage that you uh, have on your website that I believe was also recorded in Bluff Creek. And uh, it seems to show another creature that I want to hear your uh, analysis of it. And also maybe talk a few minutes about your uh, research into the JFK assassination footage. So if you would be so kind to hang on the line for us. Awesome. Thank you, Mr. Davis. Just hang on the line. And uh, we're going to take a quick break. But before we do, we want to send a quick shout out to uh, our good friend uh, Jennifer Wolcott. A.K.A. J. Dove, who uh, turned us to uh, a cool little project that's in the in the works right now,
3: by our very good friends at Elf Tree Media, which does include um, Jennifer Wilker as well. Very cool um, podcast and website there. Go check them out. Google Elf Tree Media. We are supporting a new project of theirs involving a little short film that they're filming based on. A very creepy, very spooky story situated in Texas. So check out Olivia Mabel if you like scary, ghosty stories and keep an eye out on yeah. their website. They've got a Kickstarter right now, so support them. It's always good to support a, a bit of a Kickstarter.
2: Yeah, and uh, check out our website. Uh, this week we should have a, a video interview we did with the uh, the guys of uh, Elftree Media mm-hmm. in regards to this uh, project. Yeah, we're and finalizing believe me, it, that right it's now. A, it's a spooky, spooky story. It's and
3: fun. O- honestly, it's fun and it's creative.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to throw it to a couple of songs. I was talking at the beginning of the show about this... Uh, uh, this new uh, tarantula they've called it Johnny Cash and uh, it's found in the area surrounding the uh, Folsom prison so what better song to go out to the break than with mr. Johnny Cash the man in black here we go what's of the Rockies
1: your your
2: And we are back to the second hour, West of the Rockies. I'm Frank. Thank you guys for sticking around. We're having a, a really good time tonight. As always, I'm Engineer Frank on Twitter, West of the Rockies on Facebook, Genevieve Uwe on Twitter. Don't forget to check out the website, wotrradio.com. That's where we post all the madness that you have come to expect from this show. Don't forget to subscribe. We recently uh, started uploading a bunch of our interviews to uh, YouTube. We're really happy that people are digging it. If you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel, go check it out. Just go youtube.com forward slash WOTR radio and you will find all the fun stuff there and as always you can subscribe on Spreaker, Stitcher, iTunes, TuneIn and all that good stuff. Of course big thanks to everybody that's tuning in tonight and big thanks to anybody that's catching this uh, as a podcast. Uh, It's always a a good hang here at What's the Rockies with everyone. Genevieve how are you enjoying the show so far?
3: I'm really enjoying it. Um, This is so informative you know it's
2: yeah no absolutely like i said this is one of the topics that i am very very fascinated with and i'm really happy to have a, a, our guest tonight uh, mr mk davis who has a, a really cool website uh which i encourage everybody to check out it's the davisreport.wordpress.com we'll be posting a link just in case uh, if you don't have it up already by now and you're gonna see a lot of the cool stuff that he's done with the patterson gimlin footage of uh, bigfoot and the way he's cleaned it, stabilized it, I mean, honestly, it makes you really rethink. It's one of those things that I've seen a million times and then watching the, this stabilized clear version, it really lets you get a better perspective of the terrain and what was happening in those few seconds of footage that have become legendary, really. Let me bring back uh, Mr. Davis to the conversation. Mr. Davis, can you hear us okay? Yes, I can. Awesome. And uh, like I said, it's a great uh, resource that you have set up here in your website, the Davis Report dot wordpress.com do you have any other social media links or anywhere else that people can find you a youtube channel like any of that stuff
1: uh yeah you can go to greenwave 2010 fb Okay, uh, and that's my channel on youtube i've had uh over 3 million views wow uh, oh wow most of what i have on there is bigfoot related mm-hmm. uh, and you well, know, patterson film related especially the thing about it is, you know, when you're using the multimedia and digital media, mm-hmm. if you upload a video to YouTube, you're going to get some compression, and you'll lose a little quality. Right. Now, mm-hmm. some things that are on my blog, they're in the form of a GIF file. They don't lose anything.
0: Yeah, no, they I look great. My
1: blog, at one time, you know, you could click on your image, and it would become full-size. Well now they've done away with that feed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if I if I wanna blow something up large enough for you to see, it has to be done first and uploaded yeah, already enlarged.
2: And I believe before the break, Genevieve uh, had a question, so I'm going to turn it over to her and uh, let her uh, get her question answered.
3: Yeah, um, I was just wondering whether you could elaborate a little for the listeners about the tracks you found in Northern California. If you could tell us a little bit about where you found them and the apparent mucus that was found in them, and let us know what that was like.
1: Well, I, I was leading an expedition of Japanese filmmakers, Okay. Uh, They wanted to go to the Patterson site. Mm -hmm. So I took them down there, and we got there. It wasn't too long before dark. You know, the sun was uh, already down pretty good. Mm -hmm. And I wanted in the worst way. I hadn't been there in uh, three years. So Mm -hmm. I wanted in the worst way to go and check out what I considered to be a big foot lair
0: that was
1: up on the mountainside. Uh, it's, it's probably 1,500 feet up the mountain. I left them for a moment and walked around some brush and went to the mountainside, and they discovered I was gone, and, and I, they hollered for me to come back. Mm-hmm. So I, rather than walk around the brush, I just walked you know, across the sandbar straight through them. Mm-hmm. And when I did, I came upon a series of tracks on the sandbar these were just incredible cramps some of them were 10 centimeters deep yeah they were huge and uh, deep which is right at four inches i couldn't even put a dent in it so i knew what it was it was very very heavy they were about 13 and a half to 14 inches long and they had some leaves in them and i got all the leaf litter out just loose leaves and i counted how many leaves fell in overnight And I was able to estimate them to be about a day and a half old. Okay. Now, when I got back home from that expedition, I got gravely ill. I mean, Mm -hmm. so badly ill. I I bled out both my ears.
3: Oh,
0: wow. I I had
1: my reproductive system was affected. Mm -hmm. Uh, Everything. I mean, it almost killed me. And I was wondering why I got it and no one else did. So I got to thinking that I had cleaned that leaf litter out.
3: Yeah, you touched well, I it did with your with one
1: hand. I, I filmed it point-blank range
3: mm-hmm.
0: with a
1: high-definition video. So I went back reviewing that video, and there was a big wad of—it uh, was, was on a leaf. It was mucus, for lack yeah. of a better word. That's what it was. And I put my hand directly in it and then in, in the excitement
0: mm-hmm.
1: of, of the moment. And, and that's a no-no. I mean, you should never, ever do that. You don't really know what you're dealing with. You don't know what they carry. Mm-hmm. You don't mm-hmm. know what you carry that you could give to them. You're dealing with a track that was only made just a short while before you got it's there. It's so
3: fresh, yeah.
1: And so, you know, I, I I'm here to tell the listeners, and I shout it from the rooftop: take the gloves with you.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: If you come across something like that, use gloves or. Right? When I got back home and we discovered what had happened, my wife went and got me a box of gloves and said, use them.
3: So. <laughs> Especially considering that, you know, the assumption is that these creatures are genetically very similar to us, we need to assume that any sort of disease or virus can be transferred between us. So we need to be extra careful, really.
1: Well, you know, uh, after having realized what was going on, I had a pretty good shot of a series of tracks backed off, you know, at a distance. Mm -hmm. And I could look and tell that the foot made contact with the ground with a forward shuffle, like a person who was kind of staggering, maybe. And then it made its way onto harder ground where the the old creek bed used to be and it's nothing to rock. Mm
0: -hmm. And then
1: it went up probably to that lair. The lair up there had a waterfall in it, and and it had soft, real soft bottom, you know, was ferns. And when we went up there in 2008, it had a deer carcass in there, you know, where they were mm. eating in there. There was tracks, tracks all around it. But I have never seen a track so distinctive as these tracks. Wow. I mean, they were just very deep. Whatever made this, well, I say whatever, I know what did it, but... <laughs> It was. it had to be massive to press into the ground that, that deeply. You know, you can probably listen to my voice and tell that I'm getting excited about just relaying the story. So I was very excited at the time. And, and that's why I made the mistake I did. I could have pulled that leaf off and put it in a bag mm-hmm. and had Bigfoot. Mucus,
0: right, right. Uh,
1: that would have been pretty, pretty good for testing if the CDC didn't take it away from me. <laughs> so, uh, whatever this was was pretty bad. Uh, it 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 kind of uh, had the symptoms of mumps in a way, but only re only recently completely shook it. When I went out west, the drier air finally helped me to get rid of the sore throat. So it, it hung on for like two and a half months.
2: That's a pretty powerful uh, virus, I mm-hmm. would say.
1: I took a lot of antibiotics of all types. It wasn't until I developed the urinary tract infection. Oh, in wow. the secondary. that antibiotic did me any good at all.
2: One of the things that I wanted to ask you was about this other piece of footage that we find on on your website, which uh, I believe was also uh, recorded in uh, Bluff Creek in uh, 2008, if I'm not mistaken. And it seems to show something in the lower right-hand corner of the frame that seems to be moving. And uh, you've done, again, an excellent job at stabilizing this. Can you tell me a little bit about that footage? How did you get that, and what did you see?
1: Well, I got it in 2008. I didn't see anything when I took it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I didn't see that when I took it. Okay. When I got back home, a friend of mine, he was trying to open a business selling stock footage uh-huh. uh, online, mm-hmm. uh, just, you know, beautiful places and things like that. And I told him, I said, I had this video with uh, Northern California on it, and it was, you know, spectacular. Mm-hmm. He wanted to use the footage. I left it with him, and it was in 2008. Uh, and I just got it back last year. Oh, wow. You know, I I called him and he wouldn't answer the phone. I sent him an email, he wouldn't answer the email. Mm -hmm. I finally got a third party to pressure and then he sent him back to me. And uh, I had not reviewed it. Mm -hmm. I didn't think there was anything on it, so I didn't think anything about loaning it out. But when I did review it, I saw that white thing move in the lower right-hand corner. Yeah. I stopped the film and backed it up and looked closer And I said, there's somebody there. You know, I I didn't see anybody there when I took the film. I was back a little bit from there. I was using Zoom. We had been up to that lair, and I had come off the mountain first, and the other two people were behind me. And I had come on up the creek on the other side of the creek, walking a little pathway or trail on the other side of the creek. And you couldn't really see the creek. And I had gone past whatever, whoever this was. And when I came out into the creek, I took footage up and down the creek. And when I took it down the creek, you know, it was there. Apparently, when it decided that I was there, when it saw me, it backed into the brush. It just backed Mm -hmm. up into the brush.
0: Mm -hmm. Right, Right. And
1: the last picture that I took, I took a still. I went between video and still with the camera. And when I took a steel, you could see its knees, you know up in the yeah. brush,
3: yeah, yeah,
1: so it just it just backed up and just set still. And I walked right by it. Wow, you know within ten to fifteen feet of it, but I never knew it was there. I was just shocked, you know that set of seven years had gone by,
0: yeah, mm-hmm. you know,
1: before I reviewed the tape and, and this was on there the whole time. Now, we saw lots of signs that they were in there. Really? it uh, was a grove of trees that had been broken, I mean, snapped off, and some of them had been actually exploded by downward pressure.
0: Oh, wow. You know,
1: they just exploded in all directions. And I was there in August, and we found those trees. And when I came back in October, they had changed color. In other words, they were fresh. Mm-hmm. In the the summer, and then they were stale-looking in October. Well, that gave me a little timetable, and and I was able to determine that it wasn't any kind of snow that did it. But snow's not going to break limbs this side down anyway. If you go and watch that, you can find it on my YouTube channel, the Blood Creek Croucher video, I'll call it, because it was crouching down. Uh, It's not very far from where I found the tracks this time, Uh, just a little bit upstream. Uh, So that that whole area... Mm -hmm. In my estimation, is a it's a sensitive area. It should be protected. I don't think it does a lot of good for them. I, I I don't think it could do anything but harm. I caught something from them that darn near killed me, and it may have been something that he caught from somebody else. You know, that went down there. Right. Uh, the interactions aren't aren't favorable. Is what I'm saying. I felt badly that I had caught this thing in a tender moment because. I don't know if it had an infant, or I don't know if it was, if it caught a fish or it, it was wrapping something.
2: I was just going to say, it seems... It, it, it a seems,
1: towel.
2: Right. Is that what, what so it, it is? It, it looks like a piece of cloth, doesn't it?
1: Well, there had been about a 1,000 firefighters in there that mm-hmm. August. Uh, there, were, there were fires all up in there,
0: uh-huh. and
1: they had escorted us down there. As a matter of fact, uh, I'm sure it's something that somebody left down there. You know, in mm-hmm. the way of a cloth or rag, but it it had made use it made use of it, mm-hmm. and and it was it had something in it wrapped in the rag. Yeah. Uh, so when you think when you think about the potential there, back in August we had found what appeared to be a fetus uh, and an umbilical cord laying in the water. Really? Yeah, you can find that on my YouTube too. It's on that same video. And he, my friend picked it up and said he was going to carry it and put it in alcohol, but we stayed there too long, and it spoiled. Oh, wow. And it started stinking, so he got rid of it. But you yeah. could see uh, that there was something in it. And that's where it goes back to how good a researcher am I? You mm-hmm. know, so i say pretty much that I'm a, I, I flunked out. <laughs> you know, I, I I missed several opportunities there from not taking advantage or being having a presence of mind to get something to me, of worth. And I could sit here in retrospect and say, well, I should have done, could have, should have. Right. But, you know, it doesn't it doesn't count unless you do it when you need to do it. I just wish, you know, that when we found the fetus thing, we should have just packed our bags and left with it. Right. Yeah. You know, immediately. It's, it's 25 miles back, you know, out of there, but it's worth it if that's what, if it's a possibility that it happens to be a Bigfoot fetus in there. Yeah. Uh, could have been a bear. But I don't know. You know, I don't know what it was. But it it wasn't far from where I filmed that day.
2: Let me ask you a quick question. For me, it's kind of difficult to get a sense of how big this creature that's on the side of this trail. Do you have any idea, roughly, uh, how big this creature was?
1: I have a hard time with it myself, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. it's in the shadows and it's yeah. down, it's got a very large foot. Because I can see the top of its foot. Its it's uh its feet, it's feet are very, very long. Mm-hmm. Um, it never stands up, so I don't know. It, it's, at one point, it stretches its arm out, and you can see that it's disproportionately long, right? You know, to the body, and it's got very broad shoulders because it turns squarely away, and you can see the back <laughs> squarely perpendicular, and and it's very broad. It's like patty. It's real wide. Uh, yeah. So I don't doubt that it's one of them. <laughs> you know, somehow surprised it, but how did I not see it? My camera saw it, -hmm. but I didn't see anything.
2: That's the perplexing part because I know from other people, they have encounters with, or they believe they've had encounters with Bigfoot or they've been in the vicinity of Bigfoot. They said that there's a, a very strong bat smell and, you know, that they can feel like they're being watched. But at the same time, it also shows how stealthy these creatures can be. Because if, if I understand correctly, you walked down that same trail where this creature was when you filmed this piece of footage. And there was nothing there to out. tell you that, yeah. you know, maybe you should be careful. There might be, I don't know, anything from a mountain lion to a Bigfoot or something. There was nothing when you were walking there that would signal to you that there could be something there. Was it totally quiet?
1: It was the only thing you could hear is the creek. Mm. The creek makes a significant amount of noise. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's but if you listen to the tape, especially if you listen to the raw tape, mm-hmm. there is a tree knot, and it sounds like a tree knot while that thing is doing its folding. It goes like, hmm. and then that's when it backs up into the brush. Oh, okay. So there may have been another one nearby that gave a general alarm. And maybe it didn't really see me as much as it reacted to that. You know, and I don't know the whys and what bars, but you go down there thinking that your senses are sharp. Mm-hmm. But when, 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 it comes, when you come out of there, you realize that they're pretty dull.
2: Right. Yeah, we we you have, have... You walk right there. Like you said at the beginning of the show, you know, we live in, in this kind of modern world. We, we have lost our instincts of survival, I suppose. I
1: guess so. Um, I just had not. I was clueless. I didn't see it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, we had just come off the mountain. You know, we're getting ready to go. Just didn't occur to me. I mm-hmm. I, I was within probably 15 feet of it. I didn't see it. Didn't
2: see it. That's almost scary. It seems
3: like I mean they they have some sort of ability to not become invisible, but I I can't believe I honestly can't believe that someone could walk past. And not notice a big, black moving object. So my only conclusion, you know, that I can draw is that they, they are able to somehow mask themselves to the naked eye, and you know, via the means of electronic cameras, you are somehow able to pick up what the human eye can't see that that's all i can draw from it
2: it's definitely a, a very very interesting piece of a uh, video that that you got there and again i encourage people to check out mr davis's website that's the davisreport.wordpress.com
3: and that's where with- you need to include the, the, the
2: <laughs> the, yeah, the Davis, Davis report, report. <laughs> .wordpress.com. Mr. Davis, we're running out of time, but I wanted to talk to you about, um, you know, not only have you analyzed the Patterson Gimlin footage, But you have also have done some work with the footage of the assassination of President John F. Kennedy. Can you tell me a little bit about that? How did you uh, become interested in in this? Obviously, one of the biggest mysteries to this day, really, who killed uh, President Kennedy. I think a a lot of people are are hard-pressed to believe that it was the job of one lone gunman and you have managed to analyze the footage of that uh, fateful day. What can you tell me about this? How did you uh, become interested in this? What made you go, okay, let me look at this closer because something is not adding up?
1: Well, I, in much the same way that I began an inquiry about the Patterson film, I began an inquiry about that as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I became interested in it because I thought, with stabilization it might tell its own story right. um, Abraham a brooder had taken this stem at very close range mm-hmm. uh, and it should tell something about the direction of the bullet uh, and you know when it strike there's been a lot of people that have been killed by head wounds and in the wars and things and it's not like it's the first time that anyone's ever seen a person get shot in the head right. but yet when it was all said and done, Everybody pretends total ignorance, you know. uh, Well, it could have been from behind, and that could make the head do this and that. And, you know, everybody acts like they didn't know anything about it. You know, that it was the first time it ever happened. Right. So I I began to inquire into the film. I I, I stabilized with the film. I got each individual frame Mm -hmm. Uh, that were made available publicly by a man named Mr. Costello. Uh, when you put it together, you see that there's a few frames missing where the car enters the intersection. And Life magazine said it got hung up in their projector, and that's what happened to it, but hmm. you no. Know,
0: right, right.
1: It seems like a mighty important film to even be projected.
0: Right. <laughs> uh,
1: in- anyway, I-, I got all the-, the hundreds and hundreds of other frames, and-, and-, and I get treated in the same way, and I hand stabilized them. I mean, pretty gruesome film, actually. It's very graphic. Yeah. And then uh, I was privileged uh, the, uh, the Orville Nix family contacted me, his granddaughter. Orville Nix took the film of the assassination from the opposite side, over there, you know, across the street. And it had never been stabilized. And I stabilized the Orville Nix film. And uh, the Abraham Zapruder film is a film of the crime. Mm-hmm. The Orville Nix film is a, of the criminal. Because it's on that film, if there's a second shot fired, it's going to be on that film. There's no way to avoid it. Right. So when I stabilized it, I saw tiny movements in the facade next to Abraham's recruiter. There's a white, parabolically shaped facade, concrete facade. Mm-hmm. And it's full of these little slits, these little windows, probably eight or ten rows of them. And I saw movement in there, and I saw... I stabilized it and enlarged it, and the movement is following the limousine.
0: Mm. Wow.
1: So I'm pretty satisfied that, you know, there's a very good chance that that's the second shooter. Right.
0: Right Mm -hmm. there from
1: out of the facade. It also, uh, you know, in in parabolically shaped concrete facade, the shape of the parabola is such that it's used in telescopes, uh, that shape, to collect light and bring it to a point. Mm -hmm. And it will collect sound and bring it to a point. But it will also project sound. If if there's a sound from within the focus of the parabola, it will project it out. Mm -hmm. Uh, So audio evidence, you can forget that. Mm -hmm. If that shot came from within that parabola, Mm -hmm. the only people that heard it correctly would be people that were also within the focus of the parabola. And there were two people that were right there, Mm -hmm. and when the gun went off, the man shoved the woman down mm-hmm. to the ground, and he gets up and runs to the parabola and slips his head through the window to try to look to see what you know who had done the shooting. He heard it correctly, that it came from there. Everybody else heard the projected sound. Mm-hmm. And, and also, if you stick a muzzle through one of those windows, you're going to get a double report because you're going to get the sound out of the barrel of a gun directly to your ear. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to get another one a split second later that came back against the parabolic facade mm-hmm. and was projected out.
0: Jeez. So it'll be
1: a double report, like, like uh, uh, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and that was reported, and they were taking it as being two people shooting close together, uh. but it was it was just one gun with a double report. So I began to kind of look into the nuts and bolts of the whole thing and people sort of associate that film with unsolvability you know it's almost automatic you know i'm looking into the city oh okay there's only 63 people who say they did it right (laughs) um, i'm not interested in those people i'm interested in you know and i'm interested in scenarios because there's something that drives people to do that through movies. Yeah. Uh, I looked at Abraham Sabuda first. He's sitting there at Point Blank Range mm-hmm. filming the present assassination. You look into his background, and he's Ukrainian. He's an immigrant from Russia.
2: Right. Yeah, I saw that on your okay. website. That's a really interesting, yeah. You.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, that's no small matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, it turns out that he's working for a lady, Jean Legault. At the time of the assassination, he had branched out on his own. Mm-hmm. he worked for her, and they had an office in the Daltex building next to the Texas Foodway Depository, right across the street. And this lady was also from Russia, Jean Legault. Mm-hmm. And Jean Legault married a George DeMorenchild, who was an oil geologist, from Russia. Wow. And Jean Legault and George DeMorenchild befriended Lee Harvey Oswald and his wife. Wow. And they were, the, they were the ones who talked them into coming to Dallas uh, where there was a larger Russian community. Yeah. So it, 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 you begin to see that there is a list of Russians a mile long mm-hmm. involved in this, you know, associated with it. Uh, George de Mornchal was given a, a contract for oil exploration by the government of Haiti uh, after he had handled the Oswalds. And he was responsible for getting... Leave his job at the Texas Scuba Depository.
0: Oh, wow. But,
1: but he denies any involvement in the assassination, but he gets this contract afterwards and gets pretty wealthy out of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think Haiti's still being used to move money around that's untraceable. Later on, he moves to Florida. He, he's like super upset. I mean, he he did not know, I don't believe that he knew. Mm-hmm. Uh, that Lee was going to kill the president or going to shoot at him or anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was just one of those things where all these people are together, but not all of them actually know what the others are doing. Uh, so it became like a chain of uh, everybody's doing their job or what they were specified to do. But no one knew the whole picture. Well, he wrote a letter to George Bush, the senior, uh-huh. when he was head of the CIA and he asked him in the letter to please call off his people. Wow. And, uh, well, well, George Bush told him, these are not, I don't know who's following you, but it's not us. Later on, he's, he's in Florida and the House Committee on Assassination decides to subpoena him and uh representative comes by there, he's not home and he leaves the business card with his wife. Well, Mr. DeMorenchild comes home and she hands him the business card, he reads it, and he goes upstairs and blows his brains out. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yikes. Yeah, well, you got to remember that the Soviet Union had the bomb. True. You know, so I, I think that the last scenario they wanted was the Soviet Union. did Wow. But there's a trail a mile long of people from the Soviet Union mm-hmm. all knowing each other and all got connections and talks. You know, yeah. there, that day, mm-hmm. you're, you're foolish not to think about the possibility anyway.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Uh, those things are, are a long time ago. A lot of people are dead. Uh, some people aren't. You know... uh not a lot of people could even tell you
3: about it, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a great article on um, your WordPress site titled The Kennedy Assassination, My Observations, and that's actually where you detail all these observations about, um, you know, the link to Russia and the various persons involved. It's a really detailed and great article, so I urge anyone listening right now, if they want to corroborate or back up any of this information, head over to the davisreport.wordpress. It's just um, near the top of the website. It's called the Kennedy assassination. There's all of this information right there.
2: And one of the things that I always found really, uh, you know, uh, geez, what what is the proper word to use in in this context, intriguing, I guess, of the assassination footage of uh, President uh, John F. Kennedy is the fact that uh, he's obviously riding in a limousine, you know, with with an open top. His wife, uh, you know, First Lady Jackie uh, Kennedy, was uh, sitting right next to him when he was hit by the first shot and then the, the fatal headshot. She was inches away from him, so whoever was taking these shots was absolutely an expert to miss the first lady and be able to hit the president with that type of precision. Yeah. Uh, would Russia have the uh, skilled marksman to do something like that?
1: Well, at, at the time that the president was hitting the head,
2: mm-hmm.
1: there were still bullets being fired from behind mm-hmm. while they were away. Okay. Uh, as a matter of fact, they show up in the Orville next to them as a puff of smoke on the on the asphalt pavement
0: mm, or even right. on
1: the sidewalk. It's hard to tell. Uh, somewhere along there. Yeah, it, it goes to my block site. I should have that up there. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. It shows uh, they missed the limo by about 10 feet. Now, that's probably going to be somebody from back, back way, way back there. You know okay. what I mean? Because. The limo driver stepped on the gas. He almost came to a stop.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah.
1: And the limo driver stepped on the gas, and then the bullet hit 10 feet behind him. And this FBI agent is trying to get onto the car. Everybody in on that car and around that car was in mortal danger. Right. It, it, it was just a, a one person did get hit on the cheek by a piece of uh, shrapnel mm-hmm. down there next to the bridge. They shot at him all the way to the, to the bridge. Wow. When well, they went under the bridge, they, they got out under the fire. But the one that hit it in the head,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you, you could see how inaccurate they, they got when they were way off back there with their rifles. The one that hit him was a lot closer, a whole lot closer. It was a surgical shot.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And uh, if you measure the distance between that facade and that limo, you can see the movement in that facade. It's only about 30
2: yards. What can we say that it hasn't been said, but it's it's definitely a, a piece of footage that continues to baffle many people. However, again, with the way you have stabilized and cleared up the Sapruder film and the other piece of footage, I forget, what was the name of the gentleman that shot the other angle that you have on your website? Horrible Nick. There we go. The way you you have stabilized those, really, you know, you are able to pick out things and you point a lot of these out, for example, when the limo driver steps on the brakes briefly before, you know, trying to get out of there. Things like that, that you really can't, tell, you know, with the uh, original footage that's so shaky and, and there's so much going on. I mean, it's, it's a very chaotic few seconds that the world changed. And I mean, it's it's almost a miracle not to downplay the uh, the tragedy of, of the death of President Kennedy, but it's almost a miracle that there weren't more people injured or, or dead if there was that much gunfire going on for those few seconds coming from all these directions, uh, it would seem.
1: It missed the little boy that's standing there, barely. Mm-hmm. It missed Mrs. Kennedy by inches. Yeah. That shot did. Yeah. Uh, one of the other shots that hit the street, part of the shrapnel hit this man on the cheek and he made him bleed. He didn't know it hurt. Somebody pointed out. The man, you're bleeding. And mm-hmm. He looked and he was cut by a piece of the shrapnel. They went back and found where it hit right on the edge of the sidewalk on the curb and they cut it out with a concrete saw and it's sealed. You can't it for 75 years
0: mm-hmm. wow
1: so you know but i see it in the film i, I saw it in the old one next film i saw the of smoke so i i knew that it was absolutely critical that miss kennedy get back in that car right. and lay down and that that uh fbi agent was the only person who had presence of mind the rest kind of were just in la-la land <laughs> when they thinking you know yeah yeah this guy ran up there And sheltered in there, and eventually he got on top of her and the president and laid and put his own body in harm's way. Yeah. Uh, And then they went under that trestle, and then, of course, they got clear of
2: it. It's definitely, you know, something that, I mean, hopefully one day we'll have a a clear answer as to what happened. Let me Mm -hmm. uh, throw it to a question in the chat.
3: Yeah, we've got an interesting um, question from T. Merlo in the chat room. Let me quote, speaking of Kennedy, asked the guest if he knows who Dorothy Gilligan, or no, Gil no. Gallon, sorry, is. Um, she claimed to know something and was just about to break a story before mysteriously dying.
1: No, you know, I, I'm not really a JFK researcher, uh, but, you know, things that I've learned is from working on those films,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I deal in images. So I'm, I'm not going to be a person who's familiar with a lot of the luminaries in that field, so I, I'm sorry, but uh, I'm sure that, the, that there's a lot of competent people. Now, I'm trying to give them something to work with, you know, to improve their their ability mm-hmm. to, to look into it, you know, by stabilizing these footages. It's,
3: it's yeah.
1: mostly for the benefit of other people that are looking into it.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, you know, one thing's for sure: it changed the world. It changed the direction that the world was going, and uh, you know, we're on the verge of uh, you know making some real progress with relations between nations and peace, and it does right. that.
3: And I think that's what we need a lot more of, you know, every now and then you need someone who actually sits down and really analytically processes the information. Unbiasedly. Yeah. (laughs) No, that's the thing. You know, you you get people who approach topics with a conclusion in mind. And you shouldn't do that. You should approach it with no conclusion and then only start drawing, you know, the final results.
2: Uh, Mr. Davis, we're we're pretty much out of time, but I wanted to ask you one last thing because obviously, as you can imagine, I spend a lot of time online doing my uh, research when, you know, uh, time doesn't permit going out there and, and doing some of the, the legwork. I'm sure you get sent tons of uh, videos and links to videos. And let's face it, there's an abundance of just hoaxes that are posted online. On on YouTube, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Can you tell us what are some of the things that we can look for when we see a video that supposedly shows Bigfoot? Are there things that you look for to make sure that you're not just looking at a hoax? And what are some uh, some quick tips, maybe, that we can use when we watch these clips uh, and we are trying to make a decision ourselves?
1: Well, most of the time, it'll be shaky and grainy. And that doesn't mean that it's a hoax. I mean, the Patterson film was that way. Mm-hmm. But when a person is is trying to hoax, uh, you know, a high D really works against them. So they compensate by shaking, moving right. the camera around. And uh, you can kind of almost see that if it's, it's been done on purpose, you can see Patterson's footsteps. He was running. Yeah. But when well, somebody's just standing there and it's like circling left, and then it circles right, then it circles left. You know, it's a good indication, you know, because they don't want to show uh, a clear shot of it. They want you to see enough to get interested.
0: Right, right.
1: Uh, So that's one thing to look for. And then there's a host of other things. You know, there's ways to tell when something's been digitally pasted in. Mm -hmm. The rate of compression is different, uh, and you'll see a line of demarcation. When you magnify it, the Mm -hmm. pixels won't be the same. Okay. Uh, so, you yeah, uh, know, they got all kinds of little digital tools like uh, the uh, bristle smear and stuff like that to try to smooth it out. Mm-hmm. But you When you magnify a piece of footage or video, you also magnify its flaws. Right. So if you blow it up big enough, if something's pasted in, you're eventually going to see that it don't match. Yeah. You know, a lot of it's out there. They have programs now. On your phone, that will insert a victory automatically into any situation you get. <laughs>
0: That's <Wow>. amazing.
1: <laughs> the, app, the app you can get for your phone.
3: Oh, wow. my goodness. I'm going to get that.
1: <laughs> if you live in that world, you know, yeah. uh, there are standards that you can look for, but it's getting harder and harder to film. So the Patterson film being film itself uh, was such a blessing to work with. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't envy the folks of the future, you know, you have to sort these out
2: right right mr Davis what can I say you've been more than gracious and generous with your time and we really appreciate you being on the show and and answering you know all our questions in regards to to this whole Bigfoot phenomenon and and, and even you know uh, tackling a bit of the uh, JFK uh, assassination mm-hmm. uh, conspiracy why don't you tell people uh, one more time where they can find you online your your uh, your website and your YouTube channel
1: my YouTube channel is GreenWave2010FB. Uh, it's an old football channel that I converted over to this type of genre. Nice. Uh, and then you can find it at the thedavisreport.wordpress.com. Uh, and there's just uh, go through the menu, click on the banner, it'll take you to the latest one.
2: Awesome. And we're going to keep uh, checking your website and keeping up with your work, and I'm sure that any any developments uh, that you have, you will be posting it there.
1: There's some very interesting stuff that's fixing to come out on my blog, dealing with the skulls of giants
0: nice. oh, wow. that have
1: been missing for the last 25 years, and oh, wow. uh, I found some photos that were taken 40 years ago. Oh, wow. to uh, it's fixing to get, fixing to get interesting.
2: Yeah, no, it sounds like it. It sounds like it. So we definitely encourage everyone to check it out. I know we're going to be checking it out. Mr. Davis, thank you so much for being with us. We really appreciate it, and we hope you enjoy the rest of your night. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Wow. How was that, Genevieve?
3: That was a lot of information to process. I mean, even just, you know, going through his website, and I, I spent a lot of time watching his videos, you mm-hmm. know, little edited footage um, Especially with stabilized footage. I mean, there's so much to, you know, a piece of film.
0: Yeah.
3: It's just stabilizing it really. I mean, you can see things that you have never seen before. That's true. I mean, it's just different if someone's shaking, right? Yeah. And yeah, no, I I've, I've learned a lot.
2: I want to thank uh, Mr. MK Davis. Definitely check out his website. That's the davisreport.wordpress.com. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You'll find all the stabilized clear cleaned up uh, footage on there and a lot of interesting articles he you know he's does some some great work analyzing the these pieces of footage that we talked about tonight and uh, of course check out his youtube channel and yeah definitely keep up it's really fascinating work
3: and also another quick shout out to at Salasalas who's been supporting us all the way through and i believe he's hopefully still
2: listening right yep. now shout out to him shout out to everybody to tune in tonight shout out to everyone that will be tuning in later Catch the uh, podcast version of the show. Like I said, check out the website. Uh, check out his uh, YouTube channel. And uh, likewise, check out our website. That's WOTRradio.com. Uh, follow the show on Twitter at WOTRradio.
3: And sign up to our newsletter because from this week, we are starting to send out weekly oh, yeah. messages.
2: We're going to be spamming fun some Fun stuff.
3: Lots of fun mailboxes. stuff. I mean, spamming. I mean, <laughs> no, fun
2: stuff. <laughs> and uh, as always, don't forget to subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. we got the YouTube channel, Spreaker, Stitcher, iTunes, TuneIn. And all that good stuff, Genevieve. Genevieve, you away on the old Twitter. Thank you for being uh, with me tonight. It's been another fun show, and thanks to everybody that tuned in. And we're gonna go out with a little bit. Man, this this boy, twenty sixteen has been a bit rough. We have lost twenty sixteen. Yeah. What you
3: mean, all of the one month worth?
2: Believe it or not, this month has been pretty brutal. We've lost some <laughs> some great great artists, and uh, this one we hurt, have, hurt a little bit, man. <clears throat> I'm getting choked up.
3: Oh no! It was, it was a good run. You it know was what I'm
2: honestly, saying? he went out like a true artist. <laughs> when, uh, when
3: people had a good run, I'm not sad. It's just unfortunate, just you know sad. that that
2: damn deceased just not keeps like, yeah, it's taking. Not like He
3: was still putting our, out, wreck. It was like
2: Lemmy and then David Bowie. And, no, uh, but. It,
3: I'm just happy when people have had a good run I'm just not sad
2: I, I, You know it's funny because I remember when his uh, first video Came out we even played it here we played the video We played the song and I said you know that He you know he had transcended Genres and his video Was definitely there was something more to the video And obviously his videos Were basically his farewell to All of us but anyways as, as you can Probably imagine I'm talking about David Bowie So we're gonna go out with one of my all time Favorite tracks when this album came out It was like wow it really they had a huge impact and I'm talking about uh, Outside by David Bowie and this is a, I believe this was the, the lead off single off of that album and one of my all time favorite Bowie tracks is the Heart's Filthy Lesson this has been West of the Rockies take care be safe God bless and do anything too crazy we want to see you back next week Genevieve thank you
3: Thank you very much.
2: Thanks, everyone, for tuning in and enjoy this track. We shall see you next week. Till then, take care. Bye-bye.
3: Good night.
1: West of the Rockies with
0: Frank the Engineer on the Independent FM Los Angeles.